chicken vodka wrap is to die for. I wish they had an IV for it so I can inject myself. What's up? Welcome to Stuff with John Rothstein, episode two. Our goal today is simple, be the greatest sequel in history. And that's a pretty high bar when you consider that The Godfather Part Two was made. And if you haven't seen The Godfather Part Two, go to Google, find out the nearest psychologist, and make an appointment because it's time to reevaluate your life. Look around me today. We've got new digs. We've got new things around this studio. And yes, over my shoulder is the World Heavyweight Championship belt that Hulk Hogan won at Hogwild 1996, just one month after creating the new world order of wrestling at Bash at the Beach 96. And if you don't know the genesis of those events, once again, hit Google, find out the nearest psychologist, and make an appointment. Why am I so excited today? Obviously, it's the heat of college basketball season. But more importantly, my boys at Gianni's Pizza are going to bring us a couple of slices, a little grandma, a little thin crust, and most of all, their world-famous chicken vodka wrap. And on that note, let's check the menu. Let's check the menu for today's show. We are going to start in a New York minute as we give you some quick hitters on some of the main themes right now in college basketball. We'll then check in with our coaches call with Texas Tech head man Chris Beard. We are then going to do a segment entitled Don't At Me Bro where you send me your questions from around the world of college basketball as well as your favorite restaurants from around the world. At me bro, I'm here for you. Then we are going to check in with Iowa big man Luca Garza. I have a little nosh with him in a segment we call Don't time. We'll then switch back to social media for your elevator pitches as fans from around the world of college basketball try and send in one-liner suggestions for Twitter to be associated with their favorite programs. We're then going to hit the Hustle Mania hotline with Alabama's Herb Jones and wrap things up with some late-night snacks on college hoops that you can't get anywhere else. Now let's set the table in a New York Minute. San Diego State improved to 26-0 after Sunday's win at Boise State. The Aztecs are currently projected to be a one seed in the 2020 NCAA tournament. But I'm not so sure that San Diego State would have a better chance to go to a Final Four if it was the two seed out west. Why is that? If the Aztecs are a one seed in the east, that means if they're fortunate enough to win their first two games in the NCAA tournament, they would have to take a cross-country flight to Madison Square Garden to play Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games in New York City. Also, the two seed that's currently projected in the East region is Duke, which means that if seeds held, San Diego State would have to play a pseudo road game against Duke to get to a Final Four. I'm sure my friends out West, the best student section in college basketball, the show, would much prefer to stay out West, be a two seed in the West region, and go up to Los Angeles for regional games with a potential Elite Eight game looming against Gonzaga, who is currently projected to be the one seed in the West region. Another team that's expected to be one of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament is Maryland. I currently have the Terps as a two seed in my bracket, especially after Saturday night's thrilling win at Michigan State. But to me, Maryland has the best chance out of any team that is not currently a number one seed to become a one seed between now and Selection Sunday. And think about this for a second. 18 years ago, Gary Williams led Maryland to a national championship in Atlanta. Where is the Final Four this year? The ATL. We're getting closer to March. And as we know, it's 
College Park is the spring break capital of the Northeast. And then lastly, Dayton's Obi Toppin has shot 50% from the field or better in 23 of Dayton's first 25 games this season. With other players starting to hit a little bit of a February wall that are currently projected to be national players of the year, Toppin continues to be consistent and efficient. Don't be shocked if the national player of the year in college basketball comes out of the Atlantic 10. Time now for our lunch order. I can't wait to hit up my guys at Gianni's Pizza. Best pizza in the state of New Jersey. It may not be close and a really versatile menu. Hey, man, what's up? It's John Rothstein. Can you send some stuff over to the bunker? All's good. All's good. We'll take a couple of chicken vodka wraps, grandma's pie, and let's do a thin crust as well so we'll have some versatility with the menu. We'll, we'll take a side salad. It's always good to be versatile. All right, talk at you in 20 to 30. My man, Gianni's Pizzeria. Great people, better slices. Time now for our coach's call. Now our next guest led Texas Tech to the national championship game last season. He also has an impressive 9-3 and record in the NCAA tournament, despite only being a college head coach in Division I for a number of years. He is Chris Beard, the head coach of Texas Tech. But, Coach, before we get to basketball, let's first start about the most important thing on the menu today. It is your birthday. Happy birthday. What is the number one thing on your wish list in terms of gifts? I really want to win the game tomorrow night. I know that sounds pretty selfish, but that's, that's what I want. Fair enough. I would not expect anything less from you, but I have dug a little deep into your office and to people who know you best. And they said, in addition to basketball, the one thing that Chris Beard truly desires is a good meal at Whataburger. What prompted that to be your go-to meal of choice? Well, growing up in Texas, you know, Whataburger was always the spot, uh, kind of fast food, but it's not fast food. You know, it's made to order. Uh, certainly in high school and stuff, that was the spot you went to after hours. In college, I might or might or might not have been in there at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And um, in the junior college days, you know, whenever we'd come back to Texas to recruit, it was the first place we went because they didn't have Whataburger at the time in Kansas or Oklahoma. So it's just always been a place that I um, have connected with. Do you have a certain burger that you go with there? What do you put on it? Yeah, I've always been a mustard, pickle, cheese only guy. Uh, <laughs> I like ketchup, but only on fries. And mayonnaise, I've got to be, like, in the right mood. So mustard, pickled cheese has always been the go-to. All right, well, Chris Beard has a diversified menu when he goes to Whataburger. You also have always had a diversified roster since you've been the head coach at Texas Tech. You went to the national championship game last year on the heels of two grad transfers, Tariq Owens and Matt Mooney, who were only with your program for a year. You've done that again this season, bringing Chris Clark from Virginia Tech and T.J. Holyfield from Stephen F. Austin. How difficult is it to remake a team on a year-to-year -year basis? You know, I think it's difficult to build a team any year, whether you have players returning or not, because every team's different. It's a new journey. Even if you have the same players returning, they're new players each year. Um, but it's all I've ever known. You know, growing up in a junior college where your roster changes sometimes by semester, uh, certainly in Division Two, you have a lot of one-year players. In my professional basketball stints, guys were always coming and going on contracts. So um, I tell players, you know, it's not – arrogance but I really do believe this I believe um, that we're really good at coaching guys in one-year settings 
Uh, there's an art to it. I think the relationship building is where it starts. Um, but just like we told Matt and Tariq, we told Chris Clark and Holyfield this year, you know, give us a chance to coach you. We'll try to get done in one year what, what takes most people two or three years to get done. Well, you did that last year, and obviously there's been moments where you've done it this year. You had a tremendous win in December over Louisville at Madison Square Garden. What are the biggest things that you feel Texas Tech needs to improve on to be a team that's playing its best basketball three or four weeks from now? Yeah, just our consistency. Uh, I mean, like most teams, you can find some select games or possessions or halves or even weeks where we look like we could compete with anybody in the country. You know, certainly in our league right now, you have two, you know, what I believe are one seeds with Kansas and Baylor. Uh, and we've played competitive basketball with teams like this. What we're striving for is just consistency. You know, can we put a full 40 out there? Uh, can we play no matter what the scoreboard says? Um, and I think as we strive towards as March nears, if we can become more consistent, which has really been our plan from day one, I think we could be a real factor. Well, one guy that's been really consistent the last couple of weeks scoring in double figures has been one of your freshmen, Jemias Ramsey. He continues to get a little bit better each time he takes the floor. What is it in him that has separated himself from other great perimeter players that you've coached? You know, I think one thing with Jemias, the whole world sees the talent and uh, the attention that he got in high school being a ranked recruit and all this. But what, what we know internally is how hard he works. You know, he's a guy that doesn't have a lot of vices. He doesn't have any vices. He he goes to class every day and he works on his game. He's in the gym constantly. Uh, he wants to be coached. He wants the truth. Uh, we're able to coach him really hard as a freshman. Um, and I think, you know, just his work ethic and how much he loves the game is translated into a little bit of consistency here down the stretch. Well, there's also been consistency within your program since you've become the coach. Texas Tech has not always been a job where people would stay at for a long period of time. And what you've done is you've made Texas Tech into your next job. How'd you do that? Well, it certainly wasn't me alone. You know, it's a real uh, group effort. It started the very first conversation I had with Kirby Hocutt when we were talking about coming to Tech and Kirby and I just shared in, uh, that we wanted to compete for championships. Uh, in our league, if we could get relative in the Big 12 quickly, that translates to having a chance to win the whole thing. You know, year two, we were right there uh, for the regular season conference championship. We had some adversity with some injuries, uh, but we got healthy enough, you know, to make the Elite Eight and certainly last year winning the league along with K-State and playing on that final Monday night. Kirby and I, you know, proved correct that uh, it could be done at Texas Tech. Now is the next part, and, and the fun part, the challenge is can we be consistent? Uh, we've never wanted to be defined by one team or one season. We don't want to be a one-hit wonder. We want to be somebody that, you know, is relative each year. And that's why I'm most proud of this year's team. Um, you know, we're right here when it matters most. We've got, uh, what, six regular season games left and uh, 19 days starting today, and we control our own destiny in a lot of ways. And this is um, a credit to this year's team. Chris, you're using the term consistency a lot during our chat right now, and you learned from one of the most consistent coaches in the history of not just college basketball, but all sports, and Bob Knight. I know you're very close to him and his son, Pat. A couple of weeks ago, Coach Knight went back to Bloomington, went back to Assembly Hall, and stepped in foot of Assembly Hall, obviously on Indiana's campus. What was it like, considering your connection with that family, to see that moment, Coach Knight, back at Indiana? You know, I think all of us that love Coach and respect Coach and have been uh, fortunate enough to spend time with him, you know, me almost 10 years, 
uh, it was just the right thing. It felt right. I, I'm so happy for all the coaches, past players. And, um, you know, I'm happy for Indiana basketball that, uh, you know, the right thing was done. And um, I wasn't involved really at all in any of that. But what I have a little bit of a personal connection and knowledge of is, is Pat's role in that. And I proudly say that, um, you know, I've never known a better person than Pat Knight. He's the most unselfish person I've ever been around. Um, I'm the coach I am today in a lot of ways because of Pat. Uh, but I know I know firsthand that Pat did a lot to orchestrate that, to get his dad back at Indiana. Um, so I just recognize that. You know, I, I'm, I'm a uh, son. I have a mom and dad. I'd like to think that I uh, do right by them. And then certainly I have three daughters, and I hope that one day they'll continue to do right by me. But I think the way Pat kind of orchestrated that whole deal for his dad uh, was special. That's just that's just my opinion. Well, well said, Chris. And doing right on this show usually pertains to food. As you know, it's a big part of my life. Final thing, if there was one meal you could have at one place, where would it be? That's a great question. We, we do that all the time. You know, one meal left. If you can only have one thing the rest of your life. So, um I'll tell you something that I really enjoy. There's a there's a no light town in the hill country of Texas called Castell, Texas. Okay. And uh, the Castell General Store owned by my friend Randy and his son Mark. And I think it's one of the best uh, burgers I've ever had. Uh, if you go to Castell, you want to make sure you get the chipotle mayo. You want to make sure you tell them to cook the burger medium. Don't overcook it. Uh, it's like a sourdough roll. Uh, depending on the weather, you'll want to eat it inside at the tables or you want to sit outside on the rocking chairs. But uh, I think when I start thinking about one meal and actually I do that a lot, um, <laughs> I think that Castell burger and the ambiance of the Castell general store uh, is, so, is so special place. Chris Beard making very, very appropriate comments as we get ready to break for lunch. Chris, thanks for a couple minutes. Happy birthday. Best of luck with all your preparation the rest of the week, the rest of the season. As always, look forward to staying connected along the way. See you, brother. Thank you. You got it. It's Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard. Our first question comes from John Robeson, and it's, Hey, John, what is the current state of Indiana basketball? I also recommend you try Chop Steakhouse if you're down in Atlanta for the Final Four. Well, the state of Indiana basketball, John, is that of a bubble team. This is year three under Archie Miller. The Hoosiers have not yet made the NCAA tournament under his watch. Indiana, though, in my opinion, will still hear their name called on Selection Sunday. The wins over Michigan State and Florida State should carry weight. Plus, the Big Ten this year has set up a situation where the majority of its teams are in a position to reach the field. Our next question comes from Ari, and it's John. New Haven or NYC Pizza Better? Ari, I appreciate you chiming in on this show, but there is no pizza better in the world than the pizza that exists in the five boroughs. Next question. Our next question comes from Jeff, who's at What's Up? It's Jeff, and he recommends Oscars in Omaha, Nebraska. Best wings you'll ever have. Well, for me, the best wings I'll ever have, Jeff, is at Bar Coastal on 78th Street and 1st Avenue in New York City. But I will take your recommendations for Oscars if I'm, if I'm ever back out in Omaha checking out a Creighton practice. And if Oscars is that good, Omaha is definitely not just somewhere in middle America. And if the wings aren't good, I'll ask for my money back out the door.
All right, one more question from Matthew Page. What Power Five conference has the best chance to have a bid stealer in their conference tournament? Well, Matthew, it's an outstanding question on your part. I don't think it's going to be anybody in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. You look at the Big 12, that's a top-heavy league, especially with Kansas and Baylor in line to be number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. I don't see anybody in the ACC other than Duke, Louisville, or Florida State winning the conference tournament. I think the best chance for a bid stealer to emerge in power conferences is in the SEC, and I will give you a team to watch. That is Alabama. Nate Oates has an explosive perimeter. He's got a terrific guard unit with obviously Kyra Lewis, John Petty, Jaden Shackelford, our man Herb Jones obviously had that big game last week against LSU. I like Alabama as a potential bid stealer in the SEC. That was Don't At Me Bro. Continue to send me your restaurant recommendations and also questions. We will get to them every week here on Stuff. And like a little lunch. Thank you so much. Looks splendid, my boys at Gianni's Pizza. Our next guest is the best big man in college basketball. He is on his way to being a first-team All-American. Iowa's Luca Garza now joins Stuff. And Luca, we have done our research on you, and we know you're dominant on the floor, but we have also learned that you are a big-time fan of Drake. I'm curious, with all the success you've been having this year, after you get an N1, after you make a great play, do you say to yourself, started from the bottom, now I'm here? <laughs> Something like that, something like that. Always Drake songs playing in my head for sure. When did you get hooked on Drake? I think it was uh, early, you know, eighth grade, high school, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade. You know, I had a couple of friends who kind of put me on to, to Drake and, and I really enjoyed, you know, listening to him and, and kind of bonded with some of my friends. And, and uh, you know, now it's, it's, you know, kind of part of who I am. Every Instagram caption I have is all a Drake lyric of some sort. You know, it's funny you bring up high school and obviously before that because a lot of people don't know this about you, but you also played an instrument when you were in high school. How did you balance mm -hmm. music and basketball? You know, it was it was it was fun for me. You know, I, I loved uh, you know, I know I loved music for a long time. I played, you know, since I was in elementary school all up uh, all the way up until 12th grade. And, you know, it was kind of easy to balance. You know, it was one of my classes. So every day I would go in and we have, you know, kind of band class and and it would just be, you know, uh, many different instruments, you know, violas, guitars, trumpets, clarinets, everything. We were all playing together and had concerts and different stuff like that. But there were certain times, uh, I remember in middle school where I had to leave uh, halftime of a game to go to a, a concert <laughs> that was required to go to. So I, I definitely, you know, it was tough at some points to balance it, but, you know, I, I'm, I made it through. Well, you're well-rounded, obviously, on and off the floor, and your game is now well-rounded, especially with the jump that you've made. Luca, to me, you broke out during last year's NCAA tournament, but I'm curious, what was the biggest change in yourself and everything around you in regards to basketball from the end of last year's NCAA tournament to the start of this season? I think it was just a lot of things going into the offseason I wanted to improve that I was able to improve on. You know, I wanted to, you know, be a lot stronger. Just watching, you know, film of myself throughout my sophomore season, I could see myself get bumped off, you know, different moves I wanted to make in the post. And I was just kind of getting pushed out of position and, and making it harder for myself to finish. Um, so, you know, looking at that and just getting into the weight room and, you know, working on my diet and different stuff like that to improve my strength was one of the big things I focused on. And also, you know, my three-point shot for sure. You know, I, I felt like I didn't shoot as well as I wanted to last year. And uh, that was a big focus, you know, especially with my dad over the summer, just working on that jump shot. He's the one, you know, kind of taught me how to shoot when I was young. So going through that and watching film on that and making sure I improved in that area because that's always been a part of my game. Um, 
is just being able to stretch the floor. Well, we have seen that part of your game this year, and we've also seen the stamina that you possess each and every game, which isn't easy when you're a guy of your size. You mentioned nutrition. What specifically nutrition-wise did you have to adjust in your diet to get into the shape that you're in today? I think, you know, like I said, in the offseason, I was on a you know very strict diet. You know, I was limiting, limiting carbs as much as I can, high-protein intake, just really – you know, making sure my body was prepared for a season like this because I knew the role that I was stepping up into, you know, with the the with Tyler Cook leaving. So I knew what I had to do, and I, I really embraced that over the summer, just making sure that, you know, if, if need be, I could play a 40-minute game and be fine. And I, I've shown that this year that I have the stamina to be able to do that. And um, you know, that's just uh, credit to, like, all the people around me who have helped me um, in terms of working me out and, and helping me with my new diet, the nutritionist here, the strength coach here, you know, my dad, everybody, all the coaches just working with me uh, to improve myself in that area. I think that's what's, you know, been it led to my ability to have this stamina. Well, better you than us for not having carbs. We know how tough that is to cut out of your diet. But you <laughs> yeah. are somebody from the greater Washington, D.C. area that has found a home in the middle of America. Why <laughs> would you describe the affinity that you had for this place, or how would you describe the affinity you have for this place, not just now, but when you were thinking about going to college? You know, now it's like a second home for me. You know, it's 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 awesome. I, I, I'd never really been to, you know, Iowa ever before. You know, I was starting to get recruited here, and, and the reason I came here was my, you know, relationship with Coach Fran. You know, he started recruiting me when I was a sophomore, and, and the relationship I built with him over the recruiting process was, you know, the key um, and where I wanted to go and I wanted to play for coach. Um, so that's what, you know, led me here. And once I came here, I fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with the, the people around. It's just, it's a, you know, it's a great place to be. And, and, and I've loved it so far. People see Fran McCaffrey on TV and they see how fiery he is on the sidelines. And anybody who's ever covered him knows that he's a ruthless competitor, but he's also mm -hmm. a family man. He's also a father and a husband. For you, what is the biggest thing about Fran McCaffrey that exists that most people don't know? I mean, he's one of the funniest people I know. Just, you know, being around him, he's always has energy, always funny, always making jokes and different stuff like that. And people see the side of him of, you know, getting fiery and yelling and, and all that other stuff. But like you said, he's a family man. You know, I, I'm I'm really good friends and roommates with Connor McCaffrey. And, and we were at his house last night watching The Bachelor and, you know, coaches there, you know, being funny <laughs> as always. And 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 that's just, you know, the type of the type of man he is off the floor. Well, you've had a great season this year at Iowa. You guys have had a number of big wins this year. But the Big Ten this year is like a different breed of cattle with its competitiveness. What is it like to go through this league night in, night out? You know, it's awesome. It's it's kind of what you sign up for when you decide to play in the Big Ten. It's just knowing that every night, you know, there's no easy night, uh, no off night in the Big Ten. You know, you play every team. They give you a different challenge, you know. Um, and especially on the road, you know, teams that are really comfortable in their own buildings and, and they're playing really well in their own buildings. And that's just what makes it tough. So you have to be focused every single day in preparation for each game and you go into every game with the same mindset. And it doesn't really matter who you're playing top to bottom because every team is to beat each other. Well, we've seen Iowa have some big moments this year. Last year, you won a game in the NCAA tournament. You lost a very difficult game to Tennessee. What is it going to take over the next month for Iowa to be back in that same position coming up in March? 
I think we just continue to uh, need to continue to improve, especially on the defensive end. Um, I think we we've recognized some of our issues on the road, you know, recently, and we we want to improve those. And I think that was big for us to get, you know, win at Minnesota, who's very very good in their own building, and 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 we're just going to continue to grind these, you know, road games and and the rest of the conference season out, and just get confidence in ourselves and everyone to get healthy as well. Um, but, you know, just continuing to lock in on the defensive end. We know we are a team that can score on anybody in the country, and we have confidence of that. Um, but we need to lock in in terms of uh, just being better defensively and stopping runs when teams get hot. And I think that's been our, you know, problem recently. All right, final thing, Luca. Food is a very big thing on this show. I know you're very conscious of your nutrition and your diet, but if you could have one meal and one meal only, what would you eat? Where would you eat it? I'm half Bosnian, so you know I, I I'd go to Sarajevo and eat uh, I'd eat pizza. It's my favorite food. It's it's uh, I'd have the spinach one, um, but it's like a stuffed phyllo dough with spinach and feta cheese, and that's my favorite one for sure. And I'd I'd, I'd eat that for the rest of my life. Well, Luke, I'm thinking about trying to find that pizza somewhere here where I'm seated or somewhere near where I'm seated and taking a nap this afternoon. Congratulations <laughs> on a great start to your season. Best of luck Thank the rest you. of the way, and again, congrats on a tremendous year. Thank you. I appreciate that. Iowa big man Luca Garza, thanks for dining with us on Stuffed. Great interview right there with Iowa big man Luca Garza. And after all that dialogue, I'm ready for some lunch. And my boys at Gianni's Pizzeria have come through, a little pizza, and their world-famous chicken vodka wrap. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Off the charts. They're known for this from coast to coast like butter and toast. A little messy. Now that is a lunch. My God, what a slice of heaven. Oh. Speaking of slices, I would be remiss if I did not have one for my buddies, the best in New Jersey. Look at this. Here we go. Drop a little sauce in my mug. Yeah, one in Rome. Best grandma slice I've ever had. Dave Portnoy, what are you thinking about? Get to New Jersey and get yourself a bite from Gianni's. Hmm. Good guy for. Well, now I feel like a human being again. All right, now that I got something in my stomach, let's get to some elevator pitches. Joe Mahalik, more relentless than Michael Myers on Halloween night. That's pretty good. And ironically enough, I have eaten before with Joe Mahalik at Vincent's Clam Bar in Carl Place on Long Island. Best red sauce on Long Island. That's a pretty good one. I like the Michael Myers bit. Next up. This message is for the great John Rothstein. John. The wonderful people of Bowling Green, Ohio, need you right now, John. Myself, huh. 5,000 others came out to the Stroh Center, the beautiful Stroh Center, on Saturday and witnessed BG sweep Toledo in a two-game season set for the first time since 1999. One of the biggest, one of the best Get rivalries him, in the sport. And, in fact, it was the 25th win at the Stroh Center in 28 games for the Falcons. And what's interesting about that nugget, John, is that four or five years ago, there was no product. There was no It's a one-liner thing, my man. Get to the point. And now I think this BG basketball program, despite having a ton of work to do, remember, they've not made a tournament since 1968. However, this program is a freight train coming down the tracks. And I believe Conductor Huger and his staff deserve fame. They deserve shine. And he'll never want it but they need it and they deserve it. And what better way to do that than to vote Michael Huger for president of the United States of America. That's right. 
We need right. Rothstein, and we need Huger for president. Okay, Huger for president. Mike Huger, known him a long time, was a great assistant at Miami. He's doing a great job at Bowling Green, but you're not going to be up for president of the United States. I need a one-liner you can really take a bite out of. Time now for our Hustlemania hotline, where each and every week we highlight one player who went above and beyond in college basketball. And now on the Hustlemania hotline is Alabama's Herb Jones, fresh off a performance where he had 17 rebounds against LSU despite having a cast on one hand. Herb, how'd you do it? Uh, man, I just went out and played as hard as I could, like I, like I try to do every night. And uh, I mean, the ball just kept finding me. Alabama head coach Nate Oates said after the game that when you made free throws late in the contest and shot the ball with your non-shooting hand, it was the loudest that he had heard Coleman Coliseum since he got the job. What was it like for you to hear the crowd giving you that type of support? I mean, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, going off of what Coach Oates said, it was, it was, I think that was as loud as it's ever been after someone had made a free throw. But I, I kind of figured it would get kind of crazy if I made both. This is the first year that Nate Oates has been the head coach at Alabama. What has it been like playing under him? I mean, it's been fun. When he came in, he kind of established the up-tempo uh, pace we were going to play with. And I feel like my skills fit right into his system. And we've been thriving and figuring it out as, as time has been uh, moving on. No, definitely. Alabama looks to be a dangerous team here the final month of the season. Final thing, Herb, food is a very big topic on this show. If there was only one meal you could have, what would you order? Where would you have it? I think I'd get a shrimp alfredo. Okay. Herb Jones, he rebounds the basketball. He knows what he desires when it comes to food, a shrimp Alfredo. Herb, best of luck moving forward. And again, congrats on a great performance last week against LSU. Thank you. Thanks so much. You got Alabama's Herb Jones here on the Hustle Mania Hotline. Time now for some late night snacks. And for that, I will call upon my trusty lunchbox. Hulkamania obviously rules. Darkest time I ever had as a fan. April 1st, 1990, WrestleMania 6, Ultimate Warrior over Hulk Hogan in the Ultimate Challenge, title for title. Great day for wrestling history, not so much for me. Tears flowing side to side. But now for some late night snacks. You can't get anywhere else. White cheddar popcorn, so good. Dana Altman is the master of the Rubik's Cube at Oregon, and he is at it again. Oregon has switched to a four-guard type lineup for long portions of every game they play. Their offense is a lot more fluid. Oregon has a huge week at Arizona State and at Arizona. If the Ducks could somehow win two games, they're another team that could climb on the seed line as we inch closer to the NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, who is the fourth team, if anybody, in the ACC? I'll tell you who. It's Virginia. Virginia still has home games remaining against Duke and against Louisville. The Cavaliers have the opportunities on their schedule to move the needle and be the fourth team from the ACC in the NCAA tournament. And lastly, how about what's going on in State College right now? Penn State tied its all-time record for where it was ranked in last week's AP poll that was ninth in the country. I think it's time to start talking right now about Pat Chambers as a legitimate candidate for National Coach of the Year. That's something State College fans could take a bite out of. We set a really high bar 
when we came in for this episode. We said we wanted to be the greatest sequel in history. That means better than The Godfather Part Two. You know what our goal is next week? To be the best third installment of any series, any trilogy, ever. That's a high bar again, because to me that means you're better than The Dark Knight Rises. And can we be better next week on Stuffed than Batman, Bane, Catwoman, and that whole cast from 2012 was? I'd like to think so. Either way, it's going to be a show that you can take a bite out of. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to Stuffed on YouTube. Remember, this is only February. That was an outstanding episode. Thanks to everybody back there in the back. My people, Gaff, you the man, coolest cat in the five boroughs, Dave, Pat, everybody doing big things. Who's excited for Syracuse Louisville? Can the cards get off the schneid? What about Thursday night? Oregon.